Now we are continuing. This will be the final message. Maybe, maybe depending on if the Lord changes it, uh, on the subject life after death, life after death. We started Easter Sunday and we, we discovered that there's going to be a resurrection, a resurrection of our bodies again, not just for the lost, but for the saved, the saved and the lost will be resurrected for an eternal destination. Now, last week we learned that the eternal destination of those who do not know the Lord is eternal fire, eternal hell, which is the lake of fire. And if you didn't get that, go back last week and watch that one. Uh, but today is going to be a lot more encouraging. I'm, I'm so glad uh, that this world is not my home. I am just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That's a song we used to sing when I was a kid that talks about heaven. This is not all there is to it. This is not the final thing, the final place. Uh, listen, there is a place waiting on us called heaven, called paradise, the city of God that we're going to study about today. So I hope you are tuning in with us and you're encouraged today. But Revelation 21 in verse number one, let's begin to read this morning. <clears throat> it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are past. Amen. I'm going to just stop right there and say, amen, amen. The former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write these words for they are true and faithful. Now skip down to verse number 10. Skip down to verse number 10 in your Bible. It says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal and had a wall great and high. And had 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates and on the west, three gates and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the lands. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square and the length of it is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Then he measured the wall thereof a hundred and forty four cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel and the building of the wall of it was of Jasper, the same material he looked at earlier. And we see in the city was pure gold, like under clear glass. Brother Dustin, if you could get me some tissue, that'd be great. Uh, now let's get down to verse number 21. Verse number 21. 
And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. And every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. Thank you, sir. For the glory of God did lighten it and the lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. They which are, let me back up, but... They which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now let me read that again. There shall in no wise, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, and the honor it is to be in your house. Lord, this is a wonderful subject we get to talk about today. There, it is such a, a wonderful, comforting thing to know, uh, Lord, that we have heaven as our home. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help me to uh, say everything I should say. Don't let me forget anything I, I, I should say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. I pray your perfect will be done. Help us all to comprehend the truth, Lord, of a heavenly home. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated if you're standing at home. I want you to look here. I, I want to read just a few verses. I, I don't think it's in the notes, so I'm not sure they'll have this uh, to put on the screen. But I want to I want to just talk about heaven. I want to talk about heaven, what we call heaven. When you talk about the eternal home of the saved, when in any time you ask a saved person, where are you going to go when you die? And they'll say heaven. That's the word we use. Uh, but heaven is used and paradise is used. Let me let me just give you a few verses as a way of introduction and then we'll get started. First Kings chapter eight, verse 30 says, and hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people, Israel, when they shall pray toward this place, hear thou in heaven, thy dwelling place, talking about God, the dwelling place of God, hear thou in heaven, thy dwelling place. Psalm eleven four. the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Matthew five eleven. blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. First Peter one, three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, where? Reserved in heaven for you. Now, Luke, uh, uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 43, we see heaven is called something else. In Luke 23, 43, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Second Corinthians 12, Paul is referencing uh, his trip 
to the third heaven. Now, remember, remember when I read this, I want you to understand there's three heavens. When you, when you, when you talk about the heavens, there's three heavens. One is the atmosphere that we breathe where the birds fly in the rain falls in the, in the clouds float around. That is the first heaven. Then you go into the space heaven, the place where the planets are, the place where the sun and the moon is, the galaxies. That's the second heaven. But Paul said he made it to the third heaven. The third heaven is the dwelling of God. The third heaven is the place where God dwells. And this is what he says. He said, I knew a man, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he, watch watch what he calls it, how he was caught up into paradise. So what what is the Bible saying? Heaven is paradise. Heaven is a place of paradise. Revelation 2, 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to the eat of the tree of life. Watch where it's at. Which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So the eternal destiny, the eternal destination of the saved, the born again, the children of God is a place called heaven. It's a place described as a paradise. But now we're going to see that it has a name. As we read here in Revelation 21, it is called the city, New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. There's a Jerusalem here on this planet where God has put his name, where the temple was built and the place, the temporary place where God's spirit came and dwelled temporarily with the people here on this earth. But it is just a pattern. It is just a model of the Jerusalem that is in heaven that we're going to read here. And so as we're going through this, we're going to talk about heaven. I think I have four or five little points here uh, to share with you out of 21 and 22. And so you pray for me. And let's just, let's just take a journey, journey through heaven for a little while this morning. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes and writing these things down, just here's the first thing we come across when we get to chapter number 21, talking about the eternal destination of the saved. First, we see the capital city of heaven. Number one, the capital city of heaven. It says in verse number one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now let's, let's, let's talk about that just a second. Let's, let's explain, let's explain what that means. There is the third heaven, the city of heaven, new Jerusalem. But then you have, then you have the earth and the atmosphere around it and the planets, the galaxies, the universe as we know it, God is going to destroy all of it. The Bible says in, in, I believe it's second Peter. It says that they, the elements will melt with fervent heat. God is going to destroy this wicked curse, sin tainted universe. He's going to completely destroy it and make all things new. There's going to be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. In other words, the atmosphere that we see now, now the new heaven, or excuse me, the new Jerusalem, the third heaven is not, it's, it's, it's eternally existed. 
It is not going to be destroyed. Just the heaven and the earth that we know the atmosphere and the planets are going to dissolve and God's going to recreate it as we see in verse number one. So there's going to be a brand new earth. You know, everybody's talking about, everybody's talking about global warming and, and then there's going to be an ecological disaster. Hey, don't worry about that. It, it, none of that's going to happen, but God will destroy it in his time and his, his, his plan. It will all be made brand new. It says in there, the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, let me, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, write these two things down under number one. Two things we see about this city. Well, there's going to be a lot of things we see about this city, but right here, just write this down. First, it's a perpetual city. It's a perpetual city. It's always existed. It's always been there and it'll always will be. One of the, one of the commentaries wrote this. One of the commentators wrote this. The implications of this verse is that it already exists, which is a truth reinforced by Hebrews 12, 22, which we'll read in just a moment. All of heaven. Now stay with me. Stay with me. All of heaven is currently contained in the new Jerusalem. It is separate from the present universe, which is tainted by sin. Believers who die go to heavenly Jerusalem where Jesus has gone before them to prepare a place for them. How do we know that? Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But when God creates the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem will descend into the midst of that holy new universe and serve as the dwelling place of the redeemed for all eternity. Since the throne of God will be in the new Jerusalem, which will come down to the new earth, that city will be the bond between the new earth and the new heaven. Now we see this is the capital of heaven. This is the dwelling place of God. This is the city of the living God. Now let's go to the book of Hebrews for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 12, and Hebrews chapter 13 describe and speak of this city. Hebrews eleven eight says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, talking about Israel, Canaan land, the promised land, he obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles. In other words, tents, temporary dwelling places. He dwelled in temporary dwelling places with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. Why? Why was he satisfied dwelling in temporary places? Because the Bible says he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Oh, Hebrews eleven thirteen says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country and heavenly where God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. Hebrews 12, 22, but ye are coming to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels. Hebrews 13, 
14, for they have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Preacher, what are you saying? There is a city. It is the city of God, the new Jerusalem. It is a place that's always been. It's the place that God's throne is. It's the place that God dwells in. What do you call this city? Well, Jesus called it the father's house. He said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Somebody say amen out there. Amen. This is the father's house, the city of the living God, the place that Abraham was looking for. He was satisfied with just a tent. He was satisfied with just a temporary dwelling. Why? He knew this world was not his home. He was just a pilgrim passing through that there was something better waiting on him in the city of God. Amen. The place, it is perpetual. It has always been and it always will be. Not only that, but it's a prepared city. Write that down. It's a prepared city. We just read that. And in John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places, many places for his people and his children. And in, in Revelation 21, we see it's a place prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jesus is preparing you a place right now. If you're a child of God, if you're born again, if you know the Lord as your savior, he is preparing you a place. It is going to be a wonderful place, a personal place, a perpetual place. It's going to be a place that nobody can take. It's going to be a place that you'll always have. It's going to be a place where it's going to be wonderful and beyond our imaginations to comprehend. Say, why do you say that? Well, I'm kind of a simple minded person and I know this. The one who designed, who designed and built Mount Everest is preparing my place. The one who designed and built the Great Barrier Reef is preparing my place. The one who hung the stars and the sun and the planets in the sky, who spoke this world into existence is preparing me a place and preparing you a place. What do you think that place is going to be like? When you see the work of his hands, the beauty of his architecture, when you see the beauty of the sunrise and the sunset, when you see the beauty of the mountain chains and the mountain ranges, when you see the beauty of the oceans and the skies, and that same architect and designer is preparing you. Wow. Amen. Goes right. Amen. Amen. He's preparing us a place. This city, this capital city of heaven is coming down. It's going to be the capital of the entire universe for eternity, the city of God, the city of heaven. Then number two, number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. We not only see the capital city of heaven, we see the comfort of heaven, the comfort of heaven. Now, let me get back to my, let me get back to my verse over here. Look what it says. Verse, and we're going to, we're going to go into detail about the city, man. Just be patient. Number four. Number, no, 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 no. Back to verse three, back to verse three, back to verse three. The comfort of heaven. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, 
the tabernacle of God and the tabernacle is a dwelling place, a place that houses a presence. The tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now I want to, I want to do this. If you're taking notes, what is going to be the greatest comfort of heaven? Many would probably say the reunion with our loved ones. And, and, and that's going to be great. That's going to be wonderful. And you can't understand how important that is till you have somebody on that side waiting on you. And I do. I have loved ones that I can't wait to see. And that's going to be wonderful when we get there. And, and the next point that we're going to see is going to be great where he says no more sorrow. No more pain. And that's going to be wonderful. And, and, and to see the blessings and the splendor and the beauty and the glory of all that's in heaven. And all that's going to be wonderful. But the most important thing, the most important thing, and he lists it first. He said, the one thing you need to understand is this is going to be the permanent dwelling place of God. Look what it says. If you're writing this down, the comfort of heaven, a, the permanent residence of God. The permanent residence of God. Now, we see God came. That's, now, stay with me. Stay with me. I know God's everywhere all at the same time. His presence, is, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. When I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I go to the top of the mountains, thou art there. No matter where I, that, but, but, but hear me, hear me. In the beginning, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And, and God came and, and, and spoke to his friends, Abraham and, and Moses and, 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 and we see many things. He gave them a, a pattern of a place to, to where he would come and his presence would be manifested or felt. Now, here's what I mean. God is everywhere, but he's not always felt. He doesn't always manifest himself so that we could feel him or see him. And, and he would come and be in that tabernacle and his Shekinah glory would rest on the mercy seat on the, uh, uh, the, 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 help me, help me. My mind just went blank on the Ark of the Covenant there in the tabernacle. And then in Solomon's temple, in Solomon's temple, there was a place and we call that place the holy of holies, the holiest place in, in the people, the only people privileged enough to go in and be in the presence of God was the high priest. And he was only allowed once a year on the day of atonement. If anybody went in besides that, they would be killed instantly. Listen, his presence would be there. And the only ones with that privilege was the high priest and only once a year. Now I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Now I want to read, I want to read a description of the holy place of the holy place. Okay. Now when Solomon built the holy place, first Kings chapter six, this is the, the, the most holy, the holy of holies. You come into, you come into the, the, the temple and you would come into the holy place where there'd be the table of showbread and the altar of incense and the golden candlestick. But then you would go past the holy place and you would go through the curtain into the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the mercy seat was, where the Shekinah glory, the manifest presence of God was. Listen, it was split and separated because 
Those who were unholy could not go in the presence of that which is holy. And there was a separation from God. We could not experience his manifest glory in our lives. But watch this, watch this. First Kings chapter six, 19. And the oracle he prepared in the house. This is talking about the holy of holies. He prepared in the house within to set there the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now watch how he describes it. And the oracle in the forepart was 20 cubits in length, 20 cubits in breadth, and 20 cubits in the height thereof. What does that mean? It was a perfect cube. It was a perfect cube. The shape was a perfect cube. Now, that was the shape. Now, look what, it's, what's, what he did with it. And he overlaid it with pure gold. So we have a cube of gold. Do you hear me? You're paying attention. A cube of gold. Now, let's describe. Let's describe New Jerusalem. Let's describe the shape and the substance of this city, New Jerusalem. The Bible says in, in, in uh, Revelation 21, 16, And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, And he measured the city, which with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. What does that mean? It means new Jerusalem is a perfect cube. It is a perfect cube. Oh, perfect cube. Now listen at verse 18 and the building of the wall of it was Jasper. Watch this now. Watch this. Are you paying attention? And the city was pure gold. What are you saying? New Jerusalem is a perfect cube. New Jerusalem is pure gold. If we go back to the holy of, oh, hallelujah. If we go back to the holy of holies in the Old Testament, the holiest place, the place that housed the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God was a perfect cube and it was pure gold. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the entire New Jerusalem is the holy of holies. It is the dwelling place of the Shekinah glory of God and the place where sinners were separated from God's presence and they didn't have the privilege to go into his presence. We're going to spend eternity with the privilege and the glory and the blessing of being in the holiest place of all, the holy of holies. The entire new Jerusalem is the holy place of God. Amen. We will have that honor and we will have that. Imagine this. Imagine. Let me see if I can explain it so we can get it. I've been, <clears throat> I've been in church services. I've been in church services and I've been in times in my life where I just couldn't even feel God. I mean, it, it didn't seem like my prayers got above the ceiling. It was dry as cracker dust. I mean, it didn't seem like anything was going on. Every song fell flat. The sermon wasn't no count. But then I've been in services where I'm here to tell you, it was so thick in here. You had to have a CNI dog to walk around. The presence of God was so real and the presence of God was so thick and so heavy. Man, there were tears in every eye. God's presence was felt and it was manifested. Preacher, what are you saying? Was God not around in the first? He was there. He's omnipresent, but he didn't manifest himself. Now, can you imagine spending eternity all the time 
time in that kind of atmosphere, an atmosphere where you feel the presence of God, where you see God in his glory and you feel and you experience the manifest presence of God. No comfort, no privilege, no honor, no thrill, no joy is even greater than being in the presence of God. He said in his presence is fullness of joy and the greatest comfort that we can have is the privilege of being in the permanent, permanent manifestation of his presence. Amen. Amen. Imagine being in the glory all the time. Well, let me say it this way. Imagine never leaving his glory, never leaving a place of joy, a place of comfort. We see the comfort of heaven is the permanent residence of God. It says in Revelation 21, 22, and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. Preach. What does that say? It means the whole city. There's not a church in that city. The whole city is a church. The whole city is a place of worship. The whole city is a place devoted, committed to the worship of Almighty God. The permanent residence of God is the comfort of heaven. But not only that, not only that, we see the permanent residence of God. But B, if you're taking notes, write this down. We see the promised removal of grief. The promised removal of grief. Look what it says. It says in verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying there'll there'll be no hospitals in heaven. There'll be no sickness in heaven. There'll be no funeral homes in heaven. There'll be no suffering in heaven. There'll be no distress in heaven. Thank God there'll be no COVID in heaven. There'll be no cancer in heaven. There'll be no heart disease in heaven. And I'm praying, dear God, there'll be no calories in heaven. Amen right there. Listen, it's a place of comfort. He's going to remove the curse. He's going to remove everything that's brought us distress and brought us discomfort and brought us pain and agony. Listen, the worst enemy we have is death and death will be no more. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more separation, no more anything that would cause us grief and sorrow. Listen, I want you to look. Not only do we see this, the capital city of heaven, the comfort of heaven. But I want you to see, I want you to see the citizens of heaven, the citizens of heaven. Look at the next verse. Verse number seven, who is going to inhabit this place? The Bible says in verse number seven, he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Let me say that again. Let me read it. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God And he shall be my son. Now I want you to skip down to verse number 27. All right. Verse number 27. Now we see he is saying that the overcomer will inherit this heaven. Will inhabit this heaven. 
Verse 27 says, and there shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Watch this. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. They that are written in the Lamb's book of life. What determined, what determined a person's destiny in the lake of fire? It was that their name was not found in the book of life. Now, God calls the people whose names are in the book of life, he calls them overcomers, overcomers. Now, if we're going to find out who those people are, we've got to, we've got to figure out who is the overcomer and how do they overcome? And I've got a verse for you in first John, first John chapter five in verse number four, first John chapter five in verse number four, it says for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who it now watch it, here it is. Here's the answer to our question. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? What is that saying? The way we overcome is our faith. And those who overcomers are those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you are are in a place where you don't know whether or not that you're going to inhabit heaven, you don't know whether or not that heaven will be your home, then the way to make sure and the way to nail that down is to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't trust in your good works. Don't trust in your good behavior. Don't trust in your good deeds. Don't trust in your church attendance. Don't trust in your baptism. Don't trust in your giving or your generosity. It does none of those things what matter. It's your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to forgive you of your sins. The overcomers, the only ones in heaven are saved. The only ones in heaven are those who've placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in God. Look here. We see the citizenship described. The citizenship described that they are overcomers in their faith. It's always been faith. It's always been faith in God. Then B, citizenship denied. Citizenship denied. We not only see citizenship described, but look at citizenship denied. It says in verse number eight, he said the overcomers will inherit all things. Verse seven, but, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying those whose habitual life is one of wickedness and sin. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. Preacher, I've committed one of them. Preacher, you said all liars and I've told a lie before. Okay. Okay. Now, let's, 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 let's clarify this. Okay. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine will help us with this. Okay. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, 
nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, uh, this is quite a list right here. And this is a group of people. This is a group of people who, whose list is wicked and ungodly. But watch what he says. Watch what he says in the next verse. And such were some of you. Did you get that? Paul is telling the Corinthians, he said, such were some of you. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were liars. Some of you were drunkards and revilers and extortioners and thieves. Some of you were all of these things. But ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the spirit of our God. What does that mean? Listen, what we were doesn't determine where we're going. I'm so glad to know that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've got in the closet. Listen, it doesn't matter the skeletons that are there or the baggage you're carrying around. If you will come to Christ, you will see that those things are former. Those things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're no longer classified as an adulterer. You're no longer classified as a fornicator. You're no longer classified as a thief or a sorcerer. You are forgiven, sanctified, and blessed in God's presence. Somebody say amen right there. Such were, were, past tense, some of you. Now here's the thing. If somebody, you say, well, preacher, I know somebody claims to be saved and they go to church and they still doing all them things. Well, that person needs to check up. What this means is someone whose continual practice, this is a habitual behavior that never ceases, never ends. That person's got a problem because salvation delivers somebody. Does that mean a saved person can't make a mistake? No, that ain't what I said. A saved person can do really stupid things, but it's not going to be the habit, the perpetual habit of their life. God has delivered them. But listen, just, just anybody... Just anybody's not going to make it to heaven. Only the overcomers. Only those who have placed their faith in God. We see in, in verse 7, the citizens of heaven. Citizenship described and citizenship denied. But then number 4, I want you to see the characteristics of heaven. And I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'm not going to go into every color of every gemstone and all of that. Uh, you can go read that for yourself. But I want to I want to describe it just a little bit. The characteristics of heaven. He takes us down to verse number 10. And I, I want to read it and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Verse number 10. He said he carried me away into the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious. Now keep in mind that God is light. He manifests himself in glorious blazing light. Glorious blazing light. We see that all through the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. But then we see, we see this. It says, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now, now let me, let me do this. I wrote this down. If you're taking notes, just write these two words down. We're going to look at the descriptions of the city. 
excuse me, and the dimensions of the city. All right. And then I'm going to just write down just I, I just I just hand, just just wrote it out. Uh, just a brief description for each one of these. OK, now and, and, and you can go back. You can go back and look in the verses and find what we're talking about. The description, it appeared as a flawless diamond. It appeared as a flawless diamond. That's verse 11. It says this, having the glory of God and the light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper. And now the jasper is not what we know of a jasper today. What he is describing here is more what we would call a diamond, a flawless, perfect, crystal clear diamond. He says this city appeared like a shining diamond radiating with the glory and the blazing light of God. It appeared as a flawless diamond. It radiated the blazing light of God's glory. It was a walled city with 12 gates. It was a walled city with 12 gates, three on each side. Every gate was made of a single pearl. And on these gates were the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And there's a great possibility we may preach on those 12 gates next week. Maybe, maybe, we'll see. Listen, this, this, this wall had 12 foundations. It had 12 foundations. In them was the name of the 12 apostles decorated in jewels. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce all those jewels that you see. You can go read them in this chapter. But what do we see? We see the 12 tribes, the names of the 12 tribes on the top and the name of the 12 apostles on the bottom. Why were they in the foundation? Because the 12 apostles was the foundation of the church. And so we see the favor of God in the Old Testament saints, and we see the favor of God in the New Testament saints, wrapped all into one. Amen. Now, also the city, the city. Now we always talk about, we always talk about, and and we we sing about, and we, we songs are written about the street of gold, and we say, man, how wonderful heaven is because the street is gold. But guess what? More than the street is gold. Look in verse, look in verse number 18. It says in the building of the wall of it was of Jasper. Now, when we say Jasper walls, remember what we said? It's like a diamond. So the walls, the walls look like and are described as a perfect diamond, a perfect diamond. So we have diamond walls. Now watch what the city's made out of. And the city the city was pure gold like under clear glass. Listen, gold so pure that it's transparent. Diamonds so crystal, so clear that they're transparent. And we'll see why in just a minute. So we see not only is the street gold, but the entire city is gold. Listen, everything is transparent and clear. Everything. Everything in New Jerusalem is transparent and clear, so pure, so pure and so perfect that it's transparent. Now, why is that important? Because God's glory, his light is going to radiate, shine through the entire city. There'll be no need for electrical lights. There'll be no need for candles. There'll be no need for any of these things. And we're going to see in a minute, there'll be no need for the sun or the moon. None of these things will be necessary because God's glory, keep... Yes. Amen. God's glory is going to radiate through the whole place. We're going to feel and experience his presence and his glory for eternity. 
Everything is, he said, well, preacher, if everything's transparent, we're not going to have any privacy. Well, guess what? You'll not need any privacy. There'll be nothing in heaven necessary to do that will require privacy. We're all going to be in the glory of God. Listen, there's going to be complete fulfillment. We, we go into chapter 22. We go into chapter 22 and we see a river of life in the tree of life. Both of those represent and will teach us and show us that there's going to be complete fulfillment, health and satisfaction. We'll always be satisfied. We'll always be fulfilled. Oh, what a great day that's going to be. Never any longing, never any lack of purpose or fulfillment in our life. We will always live a life of satisfaction. No more curse. God is going to remove the curse. No more night. No more night. Listen, night is usually, in, in throughout scripture, night is usually associated with sorrow and mourning. Weeping may endure for a what? A night. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Preacher, what are you saying? It's always going to be morning. There'll be no night there. There'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no suffering there. There'll be no disappointment there. There'll be no discouragement there. And you say, well, if there's going to be no night, how are we going to sleep? We'll never sleep. We'll never need sleep. Heaven is described as a place of rest, entering into God's rest. In other words, we will be in a perpetual state of feeling rested, refreshed, revived. No sleep is necessary. No night is necessary for sleep because we won't need any sleep. Now, that's just a small, I'm about to run out of time, so so I don't have time to go into it in great, great detail, but that's just a small snippet of the glory and the splendor and the beauty. There's no way, it don't matter who's writing, who's speaking, who's teaching, who's preaching. There's no way they could completely describe the beauty that's going to be in the city of God, in our eternal destination, in our eternal home. But that's a small description. But then I want to show you the dimensions, the dimensions. We see it's going to be cubed in shape. It's going to be the same length, width, and height. It's going to be a perfect cube. Now, I I read so many commentaries and so many biblical scholars that that differ between 1,400 and 1,500 miles. Uh, So we'll just say between that, it's either going to be 1,400 or 1,500 or in between miles, uh, long, wide, high, in any direction, 14 to 1,500 miles. The wall itself is going to be 216 feet thick. The wall around us, which is about 72 yards wide, thick, the wall will be around the city of God. Now, let me kind of put it into perspective, okay? Let me kind of put it into perspective. A metropolis of this size, a metropolis of this size in the middle of the United States would stretch from Canada to Mexico, And from the Appalachian Mountains all the way to the California border. The New Jerusalem is all the square footage anyone could ask for. Even more astounding is the city's 1,400 mile height. The ground level, the ground level of the city will be nearly 2 million square miles. This is 40 times bigger than England, 15,000 times bigger than London. It's 10 times as big as France or Germany and far larger than India. But remember, that's just the ground level. Given the dimensions of a 1400 mile cube, 
If the city consisted of different levels, I don't know. I don't know how, what it's going to be. If it's going to be stages, levels, uh, whatever it may be. But if it's, if it's consisted of different levels, and if each story were a generous 12 feet high, the city could have over 600,000 stories. If they were on different levels, billions of people could occupy the New Jerusalem with many square miles per person. Preacher, what's the point? The point is this. It's going to be big enough for everybody. It's going to be plenty enough for all God's people. It's going to be an unbelievable place. It's going to be an unbelievable place. What a, what a, what a glorious, glorious destination we have waiting on us. But I want to give you one more point. <clears throat> and this point may be the most important point of all. We saw the city, the capital city of heaven. We saw the comfort of heaven. We saw the citizens of heaven. We saw the characteristics of heaven. But I want you to see the call of heaven. The call of heaven. If we'll look in Revelation 22. Revelation 22 verse 10. Here, here is what we see. First, if you're taking notes, write this down. The imminent return. The imminent return. Jesus' return could be at any moment. There were many times I read this one verse, verse 11, and it kind of confused me a little bit. And, and, and I really started digging, digging, find out what, what did this mean? And this is what I want you to see. He says in verse number 10. He said in verse number 10. And he saith unto me, seal not the saying of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. I mean, right now we're here. The time is at hand. Watch what he says. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now, when I was a kid reading that, I was thinking, he's just saying, if you're, if you're bad, just stay bad. If you're good, just stay good. Uh, if you're wrong, just stay wrong. But that's not the point he's trying to make. He is saying this, that Christ's return will come so quickly that men will not have time to change. Now think about that. He said, if you're filthy, stay filthy, or remain filthy still. If you're, if you're uh, unjust, stay unjust still. What's he saying? If you're going to postpone, if you're going to procrastinate, if you're going to put off getting right with God and becoming what God wants you to become, you might as well stay what you are because the return of Christ is going to be so quick. It's going to be so lightning fast. It is so imminent that you won't have time to change your mind. In other words, if you're going to do it, do it now. Today is the day of salvation. The call of heaven. We see the imminent return. Verses 10 through 12. He says in verse 12, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Say that with me, everybody at home. Behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Oh, it's going to catch people off guard. It's going to catch people not paying attention. It's going to catch people not ready. If you're not ready, get ready. Then we see the importance restated. B, not only do we see the imminent return in verses 10 through 12, we see the importance 
of being ready stated. Verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into that city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. What's he saying? If you're going to have the privilege of entering the gates of that city, you have to be an overcomer. This is so important. This is so critical that you get this. The only way to make it to heaven, the only way to see the portals of glory is not good deeds. It's not good behavior. It's not good generosity. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today. It's so important. We see the imminent return, the importance restated. Then see, here's the final, here's the final point today. Verse 17. Verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. They say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. Look at whoever's sitting beside you and say, I'm a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. Whosoever will. If he's poor, let him come. If he's rich, let him come. If he's educated, let him come. If he's uneducated, let him come. If he's black, white, yellow, brown, red, it doesn't matter. Let him come. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're thirsty for life-giving water, if you're thirsty and hungry for God, if you want to know that you're going to heaven, if you want to know that heaven is your final home, then come, come. We see the invitation reminded Not only the imminent return, the importance restated and the invitation reminded. God said in Isaiah, he said, come, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I want to reason with you this morning. If you don't know Christ, if you're tuning in, if you just just clicked on and you're hearing me speak about this place called heaven, this paradise of God, the city of the living God, the destination of the saved. If you don't know right now, 100% sure if you were to die that you would go to heaven. I want you to make it sure today. God says, come. Come. Bring your burdens. Bring your fears. You know what Jesus said? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come unto me. Are you tired? Are you broken? Are you hopeless? You frustrated? Come. Come unto me. Jesus is saying, come unto me. If you're wore out, come unto me. If you're ready to throw in the towel, just, just come unto me. Come unto me, all you that labor in a heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Jesus loves you, this I know. For my Bible tells me so. Preacher, how do I come to him? How do I come to Jesus? I've made so many mistakes. 
I've failed him so many times. I've disappointed him so many times. How do I come to Jesus? Let me tell you how to come to Jesus. You ready for this? You ready for it? Let me tell you what to do. There's things you got to do to come to Jesus. Nothing. Just come to him just like you are. Just come to him just like you are. Bring your baggage. Bring your, your background. Bring your past. Bring the skeletons in your closet. Bring it all. Just come just like you are. He'll take you just like you are. He'll receive you just like you are. Just come. Give it to him. Give your brokenness to him. Give your past to him. Give your frustrations to him. Give your insecurities to him. Give your doubts to him. That's what, that's what Thomas did. Thomas doubted. Well, I'm just not going to believe. I'm just not going to believe till I see, I see the wounds in his hands and the wounds in his sides. Guess what happened? Jesus showed up and said, okay, Thomas, here you go. Here you go. Here, Thomas, stick your hand. Here you go. Do you got some doubts that you need to give to him today? Bring your doubts to him. Preacher, how do I, how do I come to Jesus? Just like you are and acknowledge that you're a sinner. That's it. Acknowledge that you failed. Acknowledge that you've made mistakes. The Bible says for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. But see the part we got to understand is sin has to be paid for. It says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But I got good news. I know sin has to be paid for and I know the payment for sin is death. In other words, if we, if we live and die in our sins, we will have to pay. But the Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died to pay for our sin. And if you would like to get that paid to your account, it says in Romans 10, if we'll call upon him, we'll confess him, Lord. If we'll believe in him with all of our heart and confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead. Whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. If you're ready to come to him today and place your faith in him. I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus came and he died and he rose again. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus came and he died and he rose again. And I'm asking him to forgive me and to save me. I'm asking him to forgive me and to save me. Jesus, forgive me and save me. The best I know how. The best I know how. I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The best I know how. If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer and trusted Jesus today, if you came and you brought your burdens and you brought your frustrations and your doubts to Him, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to send you some information. 
got a little booklet that says, now that I believe, what's next? What's the next step? What comes after salvation? We want to get that to you. And if you prayed and you trusted Christ today, if you'll just type it in the comment section there on, on social media, Facebook, wherever you're watching, if you'll just say, I prayed today, we'll contact you and we'll get you this information. But please let us know. Please let us help you. We want to partner with you and help you with your new walk with Christ. I hope you trusted him. And if you're watching today and you're saved and you're born again, I hope today encourage the fire out of you knowing that this world is not our home. All the stuff we going through, all this. Paul said it this way. He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. In other words, it's going to be worth it all.